Hello, this is your host, George Muniz Gund. Welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about why autistics struggle with eye contact. Um, this is something that comes up for me. I think it really needs to be, um, definitely needs to be stressed to society especially neurotypicals i i think i really hope a lot of people listen and share this episode because listen to and share because it's really important for neurotypicals to understand this because i myself along with i'm sure many other autistics have been many times throughout our lives um given a hard time for not making eye contact and being forced to make eye contact when it's actually really uncomfortable and unpleasant for us and we should be able to show engagement in different ways it doesn't have to just be eye contact so i think this is really important to to explain um but anyways diving in um Sorry, that was just a notification on my computer that threw me off. Um, uh, so a lot, the reason a lot of us don't don't engage in eye contact is because a lot of us have a condition called sensory processing disorder, also referred to as SPD, and that one of the ways that that affects us is it it's really hard um, to take in intense sensory input such as light, sound, uh, and this can even apply to like emotional situations as well. But in terms of light and sound and such, in terms of the more physical aspects of SPD, at least for me, it eye contact is a big part. Um, it, prolonged eye contact. In specific because I can do eye contact I can glance at people's eyes I just have a hard time really maintaining that for a long time and that is because that kind of puts me in a little bit of a sensory overload situation and I know that this is the case for a lot of other autistics too that have SPD um, is it it's just hard to explain also because I, you know, I, I haven't like done loads of research on it, but I know from my experience that it is just this really unpleasant, like sensory, overwhelming uh, feeling if I try to look at someone's eyes for a long time. But what we need to emphasize and what I think people don't understand is eye contact isn't the only indicator that someone is listening to you or someone is paying attention because I don't, you know, like even if I'm not looking at someone's eyes, even if I don't make eye contact uh, as frequently as neurotypicals would, I'm still listening. I'm still a very good listener, and I'm engaged with you, believe me. I don't have to be looking at you to be engaged with you, you know, I could, or looking in your eyes. Usually I'm going to be looking in your direction. I'll be looking at your face probably, but not directly in your eyes. Um, I might be looking at your mouth, which is where the words are actually coming out of, which just makes me 
perplexed and confused at why eye contact is the supposed to be the indicator of your listening to someone when the words are coming out of their mouth. Um, but that's another topic. Um, anyways, it's like I'm still listening. I'm still engaged. And so many times throughout my life, people have given me a hard time because they automatically assume that I'm not engaged if I'm not making prolonged direct eye contact with them. Um, so, you know, can't I can't stress it enough. It's like eye contact isn't the only indicator of engagement. Please, let's, let's honor that. Um, and, you know, I'll say, you know, something, and this depends, you know, person by person. Everyone maybe have different, has different methods. Um, I sometimes tend to lean my body forward in a certain way towards the person to indicate that I am listening. If I'm starting to sense that, you know, they might think I'm not engaged because I'm not making prolonged eye contact and then maybe sometimes what I'll do is I'll kind of lean my body a little bit I'll just try to show them in other ways that hey I'm here I'm engaged I'm listening I just can't make prolonged eye contact with you um so I want to talk about a few examples of other forms of communication that autistic people usually um use uh, compared to eye contact or more neurotypical styles of communication, uh, we tend to put a lot of emphasis on our wording. Um, we more so than neurotypicals because neurotypicals they tend to put a lot of emphasis and when it's when they communicate they put a lot of emphasis on their body language, um, and autistics put a lot of emphasis on their specific literal wording. Um, and that there's many times there'll be a misread there because the neurotypical will be paying more attention to like bo um, body language and that's like we're not what we're saying does not always um, correspond to our body language it corresponds to our wording and neurotypicals will try to say things through their body language, but they may not not exactly match what the words that are that they're saying and and people will do this a lot where they'll be upset and they'll say that they're not upset, but they they're expecting you to figure out that they're upset because of their body language or such. And like, you know, I've eventually like figured that out, but I still don't always know, and it's really frustrating. And I'm sure it's really, really frustrating to a lot of other autistic people that, you know, like if people were only just clear and direct, it would make the world so much better and so much easier. But anyways, that's another tangent that I'm getting into. Uh, but I wanted to emphasize that about how wording is more important than body language for us. So... Please be mindful of that as well. We always, we also, we're, we're generally very direct and detailed with our communication. Um, you know, we'll, we'll give a lot of details and stuff. And this isn't to try to bore you or, or whatnot. It's because we want to make sure the message has been come across very clearly. And this is a little bit of a trauma response as well. Because we've been misunderstood 
because of these communication differences, we've been misunderstood so many times throughout our lives that when we're telling someone something or when we're explaining something, we want to make sure we've made it as clear as possible. This is why, you know, my friends are like used to this now, but like sometimes I'll send them like these huge texts, like essays when I'm trying to like convey something because I want to make sure I've done it clearly. I want to make sure that I have stressed every point and that there's no miscommunication. Um, and that is a very typical autistic style of communication. Um, another one that I have touched on before um, in previous episodes briefly uh, is info dumping. And info dumping is basically the autistic uh, equivalent of small talk, but it's it's different because it's basically you're sharing loads of information about uh, your so-called special interests, which is you know something that us autistic people will will uh, topics that we get really interested in and really fascinated by, and then we do loads of research about. Uh, and then, you know, we, you know, we're with a neurotypical friend of ours and, you know, the topic comes up maybe, uh, and then we just go on like a three or four minute speech at least just talking about it and all these different facts and details and stuff. And so neurotypicals tend to focus on the more mundane, you know, brush over like small talk topics um and we we don't really like small talk because we like you know really getting into like meat really getting into like juicing like you know core the core of like valuable conversations and our special interests you know like for me weather patterns are a big special interest so you know and it's kind of a coincidence because a lot of people uh use weather as small talk but it's actually like it's one of my special interests so it's funny I'll have conversations with people and they'll mention the weather and they'll just be expecting to brush over it for like 30 minutes or whatever and I'll give them like a three or four minute lecture on you know cold fronts or why it's gonna rain this weekend and you know all these kind of details about the weather and and why it, the weather is like that and they'll just usually get really confused or really bored and it's kind of frustrating because it's like it's like they don't realize they're getting a free lesson on this like such a fascinating topic um and you know this is information that they can use later like you know I, I talked to, I was talking to a friend on my last episode and uh, they were telling me about how they remember like this when I was info dumping about weather with them like back in 2013 and I mentioned that cold like in the winter especially uh, when it's clear at night it's usually it means it's going to be a really cold night because there are no clouds to keep the heat in. So the heat is going to evaporate from the surface at a much quicker rate than if there were clouds because the clouds act sort of like a blanket. So they keep the heat in 
uh, more than if it's clear and the, the heat just goes out into space much quicker so it gets colder. Um, and so they remembered that. They were telling me that uh, like just a, a week ago or so, they noticed it was cold in the evening. Um, it was clear. It was uh, it, not that it was just cold, that they noticed that it was clear at sunset. And they were automatically like, oh, I better prepare for a cold night because, you know, Gino, or that's my nickname, George told me, um, you know, that time, which was like nine years ago, uh -huh, I told him about, you know, how clear nights, especially in the fall and winter, tend to be the colder nights. Um, and they remembered and it, it, that information was helpful. So... That's, that's, you know, I get kind of bummed out when, when people just take, when I info dump about the weather and people don't appreciate it enough. People just take it as me going off or as me boring them or whatever, or they get tired. But I just wish more of them would sit down and realize, wow, that was a really interesting lecture on meteorology that... I probably won't get anywhere outside of a college classroom. Um, so it's like, how, how fascinating is that, right? That you just get this free lecture on this amazing topic, which is literally about the sky above us. It's literally about like what the earth is doing and why. So yeah, I just think it's, it's really fascinating and I could go, go off about it um, forever. But, you know, that's just to touch a little bit on info dumping, which is the one of the many different forms of autistic uh, communication and how, how it differs from neurotypical communication. So, yeah, this uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about in this episode. Uh, so it'll be another short one, but I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next time.